Welcome to episode 13 of The God Learners, a podcast about gaming and reading in the mythical world of Glorantha. My name is Jörg. And I'm Ludovic, aka Lord Abdul. And today we have a um, special guest, I'm pretty excited. Uh, it's Lloyd, aka Lindy Beige, although I think it's pronounced Lindy Beige! Correct! <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you are, of course, the host of the uh, very famous Lindy Beige YouTube channel, which is uh, absolutely awesome. I only discovered it recently, but... Uh, what, you only it's... discovered that it was awesome? Or... <laughs> <laughs> uh, both, both. Um, it, 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 there, there was only a small gap of time between uh, the point where I discovered the channel and when I discovered it was awesome. Oh, okay. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're also a uh, illustrator, animator, filmmaker, lots of other things. You have. Uh, I have dabbled in all those things, but I, I don't make a living out of doing those. So I think it, that would be a bit of an exaggeration. Well, it's good. We don't make a living out of doing this either, but yes. <laughs> Hurrah for amateurism! Um, hopefully today we are going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff about uh, ancient warfare and weapons in RPGs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, we have just a tiny bit of news, Jörg. Uh, yes, uh, we're a bit short on news, actually, as we have pulled our recording date forward a lot. As we're mm -hmm. recording this, uh, Eternal Convention on Casa Stalek has... It's fine, uh, has had its uh, final hours after two years of COVID, uh, preventing that uh, kind of face-to-face -face convention. And the UK Games Expo ended a day earlier. Anyway, uh, there have been two new uh, products on Johnstone Companion since our last session. A beer with teeth scenario uh, titled The Life Thief and an overview map of the Johnstone area by cartographer Michael Manson. Cool. Yeah, we'll have links to those in the show notes as usual. Um, I haven't checked out uh, the Beer with Teeth one yet, did you? I haven't yet either. Ah, we're lousy. Uh, but yeah, we'll check those out. <laughs> so, uh, Lloyd, you have, you know, a channel about lots of topics mostly uh history gaming and stuff like that and i think you're closing in on what like 700 videos oh um I've, i i really don't know i can remember i can remember noticing some years ago 500 so yeah yeah 700 and something sounds about right <laughs> yeah and i think like a quarter of those are about um weapons and um techniques of melee combat and lots um, of swords and spears and that yeah 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 so we talk mostly about glorantha on this podcast but mm -hmm. um a lot of glorantha is played using runequest which is uh famous for its uh sword play and and rules and stuff like that so uh we figured we might have your expertise here to talk about you know melee combat in uh role-playing games you um you have like um a, a video that roughly explains how you got started in in role-playing games with like one of the original versions of D&D and then moved on to RuneQuest. Um, but can you, you know, put your gamer 
history and context, talking a bit about that. Um, that was RuneQuest 2, right? Like that was early. Yes, it was. For, for most people, the original RuneQuest was, was RuneQuest 2. Very confusingly, there is now another game also called RuneQuest 2. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant idea, publishers. Anyway, uh, yes, yeah, so I was about 11, I think, when I came home and found my friend Richard Hartman playing this new game with my brother. Um, and they just started without me. And uh, it was brilliant. You, 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 you had some, you know, I had a, a, a wizard and I had a, a fighter or something. And we went down a corridor and we came to a door and you roll a die and then you break down the door and then a monster leaps out at you because it could be anything in there. And then you had a fight in the corridor outside the room and then you'd go inside and nick the treasure and it was just fantastic until, I mean, we played it several times, really enjoying it. And then we realized, hang on, this is a bit rubbish, isn't it? Why, why are there all these monsters in mazes underground just waiting for uh, someone to, to knock on the door and then instantly attacking them? And why have they all got treasure chests? What, what do they do with this money? How did they come by it in the first place? How does this economy work? Who yeah, built this yeah. dungeon? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we all went through this realization that, wait a second, dungeons are stupid. Like, we need to fix... <laughs> We need to find a reason why it's like that, or we need to find something else. <laughs> hey, but they're still really appealing. I mean, even uh, at my age, uh, I've I've been making dungeon scenery. I have no idea what I'm going to do with it, but um, it's still very appealing. The, uh, an underground maze with monsters in it's still, you know, that's still got something. But yes, yeah. if you want to, if you want a serious adventure, you are constantly straining credibility as to why this place exists. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah. uh, after, uh, I can't remember how long we played that, a year or two, um, uh, I'd heard that there was this other game called RuneQuest. And I, I thought, well, what's the point of getting another one? I mean, so you roll this shaped die rather than that shaped die. All you need to know is do you hit or not? And it's going to be the same. You either hit or you don't. And then you do some damage. Uh, who cares, you know, the exact mechanics. And um, I, after about ooh, 20 minutes reading it, I thought, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, this is this is how you do it. <laughs> Suddenly it all made sense. The economy made more sense with ransoms and so forth. And the the armor system made more sense. Oh, yeah, you wear bits of armor, as real people actually do. And then you get hit on the armor and it, it absorbs the damage like da- you know, like armor actually does. And, oh, yeah, you'd have guilds and, and loans and training and so forth. And, yeah, levels. I mean, what on earth is a level? <laughs> that makes no sense whereas in RuneQuest you've just got skills and training and so you know, it, it's, it was so much more like a believable world mm-hmm, yeah did you already have that curiosity or passion about the ancient world uh, by oh, then or did that come y- later yes I suppose uh, um, I made uh, myself a, a suit of cardboard armour um, oh, I can't remember when now, but uh, I, it was it was good cardboard armor. You know, it was <laughs> quite superior cardboard armor. Um, yes, so I suppose I was um, watching, cool. yeah. like most little kids, you know, watching action movies on the on on the screen, and at first having very little grasp of history. And anything involving muskets, I just that all in my mind went into Waterloo. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, when you played RuneQuest, uh, did you uh, enter into Glorantha as well, or uh, was that yes, just a uh, setting? Yes, I, there was a setting which came with it, and uh, I saw no reason not to use it, and I saw several reasons to use it. Uh, one thing that I really liked about the uh, RuneQuest rulebook is it was thin and had almost everything you needed in it, uh, including yeah. all the monsters you are ever going to need. 
<laughs> um, I mean, I, I live in a world which is populated entirely by humans and uh, just humans on their own seem to be able to generate an inexhaustible supply of stories and characters. Um, so if you've got trolls, newtlings, tusk riders, brew, that'll do. Fine. Just with that lot, you've now got loads more stories you could you could create you could create and far more than you're ever going to need and you need a couple of big nasty things like um oh um, cliff toads and and the like to to be a threat and uh, then you're away and i also like the idea that there was no alignment there was no evil mm-hmm. uh in D orcs are evil which means if you encounter an orc kill it no one is ever going to blame you for killing an orc later oh no should you have done that Oh dear, might be consequences. You know, you might get into trouble for killing those orcs. No, you beat a load of orcs. They are just a thing to kill. Mm-hmm. Whereas you kill a load of trolls. Uh, is that good? Because maybe the trolls had made peace recently with this other lot of people, and maybe the trolls were keeping the much worse things out. And now mm-hmm. you've killed the trolls. They're not going to give us protection yeah. anymore. And then we've lost the tr- this to trade in crystals or whatever it was. <laughs> Yeah. You know, Although the D is slightly changing, uh, finally on that front. Yes, I'm not entirely certain if it's all for the good, though. It, it <laughs> seems to be now everyone's fluffy, um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I'm very unlikely, to, indeed, to be a, a keen player of sixth edition D and D. So I, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll let it go its sweet way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like you are also a big war gamer. Did you did you look at the Glorantha war games, either the old one or the newer ones? I I do have Dragon Pass, uh, White Bear mm. and, and, and Red Moon, and, uh, and one of the others. But I've never I've never actually played the whole Dragon Pass game because the same thing happens every time. You look at it and think, oh wow, this is a lot to expect my opponent to to understand before we start and i don't want to spend a day explaining the game to someone so you just play the introductory scenario with very simple uh, melee units and then you play the second one which introduces ranged weapons then the third one which you have some magic and the fourth one where you have some monsters and it's the full game of dragon pass is something like game fifth i can't remember is it game 15 or something uh, anyway unless you play through all of them with the same person, um, you never get there. And it's never happened to me. I've never had an opponent to, to play all the way through to the full game. Um, so, yes, it's the, 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 the initial hurdle you have to clear to play the game is so huge that uh, I'm, I can't believe I'm unique there. I'm sure there are loads of people who've never got to the full game. I didn't even get to the really the intro game because it, took so long to read the book and stop setting up all the chits that I was like, ah, <laughs> I've got It's a shame. To I now. mean, I, re- I would love to play the full game. It looks like yeah. it's a, a cracker of a game, but you'd really have to dedicate yourself to that for quite some while, and as would your opponent. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I got lucky uh, to have two players with me, so I even could play the three-person scenario. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, my experience of the full game is that uh, you don't usually play it to the end because at some breaking point, one or, uh, or the other party will uh, be down on its knees. Oh, well, that, that's fine, though. You know, um, yeah. <laughs> coming, to a, coming to a decisive end, 
um, early, that sounds good. I mean, you, you don't want to just have a slugfest where you're just yes. rolling and rolling and rolling dice, or you finally get to the end and you just have to pack everything away and you have a discussion as to what would have happened if we if we had carried on. You don't want that. You want a <laughs> you want a decision. Well, yeah. Um, uh, there's another uh, board game I know you have played because I've saw it on video, uh, mm-hmm. which is Sandy Peterson's uh, Grandfather the God's War. Yes. Yes, I did a, quite a lengthy review of it. <laughs> so, uh, how does that compare to the uh, Dragon Pass experience? <laughs> oh, well, that's very different. Um, I wrote myself on one side of one sheet of A4, I wrote a summary of all the rules. And so far, every single time I have put that summary in front of players, they have looked through it quickly and just gone, ah, okay, yeah, I got it. And then the, <laughs> they're away. So, the, the learning. Uh, learning period is about five minutes on that one, and then you yeah. start playing. Um, and there are some rules that you don't know at the start, but that's okay because they, those rules get introduced during the game as you gain more powers um, yeah. and the, the, the clock ticks forward, new things happen. Um, I've never played it with all the expansions, um, and I, I don't know that I ever will. I think all the expansions all at once would just be too much. Do you have all the expansions? Um, as far as I know, I've got all the ones that are out out so far. Um, does does it take a, a whole room in your house? It it takes a substantial shelf. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not that uh, not that volum- uh, voluminous. Not compared uh, to Cthulhu Wars. Oh, really? Okay, I, I, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get easily three times the stuff for uh, in Cthulhu Wars. Really? Okay. So anyway, you've got all those, you know, board games, modeling, uh, big wars and stuff like that. But uh, in RPGs, we mostly play, you know, small skirmishes and mm-hmm. raids and things like that. There's one thing that sets RuneQuest apart, apart from the other RPGs. Um, and that's, you know, the strike crank system for mostly, I believe, modeling some of the pros and cons of some weapons, like their reach and, you know, mm-hmm. nimbleness and things like that. So how do you, um, generally speaking, think RPGs get right or wrong about, um, you know, Ooh. melee weapons? And does, do the strike ranks actually work well as modeling how it works in reality? I think strike ranks work a lot better than, than rival ideas that I've seen. Most... Yeah systems base how early you attack on how dexterous you are mm-hmm. um but that's really i mean yes it's a factor but it's quite a minor factor if you're up against someone who's twice your height and has a pike and you are quite fast but you've got a dagger and you've no idea what you're doing and he's an expert with a pike he's going to hit first almost almost certainly you have to get past his pike to stand any chance However, if you are skillful and determined and you do get past his pike and you run up to him, now the situation is reversed. Now you can go stabby, stab, 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 and he's, <laughs> he's got a really big, awkward pike. Um, and that, that's something that RuneQuest actually doesn't model well, right? It's like getting past the reach of the pike. That's, that's um, not in the rule. I've seen lots of house rules for that. N- no, but I, I have a house rule there. So, for instance... Um, of course. Who <laughs> uh, <laughs> doesn't? Uh, I think for for spear, I think the strike rank on the spear is one. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. sounds good. Okay, sounds, yeah. so uh, spear for me is one stroke four. So it's it's right. one, 
but when he's got his, when he's right up next to you, it's four. And how how does the other guy get close? Like, is it just um, get well? It, it, he has he has to um, uh, successfully uh, do a, a parry and maneuver. And essentially, right. you just do it. You do a die roll, and if you're able to do a successful parry followed by a successful yeah. maneuver, boom, you're in. Right. Uh, yeah. But of course, that's if the guy with the spear is on his own. But if he's yeah. in a line of guys all with spears, you have to yeah. get past all of them. And the chances of if you've got a dagger, the chances of successfully parrying, you know, however many spears come at you, uh, and outmaneuvering all those guys is really, really low. Um, but that's the nature of spears. Spears are really good in group fights. Um, yeah. Individually, they're not so hot. I mean, they're still fine, mm. but they're not that great. Yeah. The other thing that maybe RuneQuest doesn't... I mean, you know, I sort of went through forums and, you know, looking at the most common complaints or questions or house rules of, of stuff in RuneQuest... And, you know, neither myself nor I assume 90% of the people involved in, in those threads have any practical experience of <laughs> melee fighting. Uh, <laughs> but it doesn't prevent uh, all those people uh, from having strong opinions. Um, yes, <laughs> true. <laughs> I, I did, for instance, a video about back attacks. Uh, and the yeah. back attack idea, it's in, it's in most rule, rule books. And uh, whenever I've questioned, when I questioned it as a youngster, um, you know, I might be 14 and a 16-year-old boy would put me in my place. You know, it's ridiculous. You know, if you just try to turn and run, I'll just stab you in the back. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet, if you ever actually stand in a field with weapons to fight someone, you very quickly realize, oh, yeah, actually, just, just running away is very, very unlikely to stab you in the back. Mm -hmm. um, and if you've got any initiative and common sense you faint an attack you look aggressive and you lunge for him he'll go aha in response and we'll go for a yeah. parry and step back and whilst he's doing that you you run for it and <laughs> yeah. and if there's anything between you if you're fighting across a fence or uh, on i don't know bad ground even or there's a dead body on the ground um he's not going to catch you mm. although you you could you could say that most of those like attack of opportunity rules and stuff like that which runequest also has where you to disengage, you need to say, I'm going to disengage and succeed something. And that, I guess, would be sort of doing that feint that you just mentioned and then run away. And that's how you disengage. Yeah, yeah I suppose my general point is disengaging safely is very easy almost all of the time. Uh, and uh, I, I don't even require a role or anything like, or anything. Uh, if there are two people fighting one and one of the two wants to disengage, he just... right. He just goes because the other guy can't run after him because he'll be running straight past yeah. the, 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 the other guy. If it's one-on-one, -on -one, do you have house rule? One-on-one, -on -one, yeah. You can catch someone. So you just, you, you just do a roll. It's what I call an evade roll, uh, essentially. Mm -hmm. did, did the guy manage to catch up with you as you were running? And most of the time, you're likely to get away. Now, obviously, if it turns into a chase because there's no one else to intervene and there's no cover and you're now running across an open field, maybe he'll catch you. But the idea that he just stabs you instantly as you set off, nah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. not in the open. It might be different if you're fighting in a tunnel. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, yeah, that's why I said extraordinary circumstances. Yes, if, he's, yeah. if you're literally backed into a corner um, <laughs> and you've got a, a wounded leg 
and etc cetera, etc cetera. you know if circumstances are bad enough then yes disengaging can be difficult and that's one um, one thing where i've played a lot of gurps in my day uh and that's one thing that i liked about gurps because you get a few modifiers depending on on how you step you know step forward step back and stuff like mm -hmm. that so if you if you take a step back for parrying you get a bonus because you're you know sitting ground but then you might end up back to a wall and then you're <laughs> you're, you're you're stuck and rune quest doesn't have too much of this sort of like footwork pushing an enemy backwards gaining ground and things like that do you think it's missing or is it not that uh, well, you, you can put it in with house rules. You can also put it in with uh, cinematic narrative style of play. It can be encouraged right. by the GM and it can be taken up with uh, the, by the players. Uh, also, uh, if you have a nice arena, if, if it's everyone's just in a corridor slugging it out, yeah. there's perhaps no really <laughs> good reason to give or gain ground. But, but, I, um, I guess that's the thing. It's like rules or approaches to the rule where it makes a difference if you're in an arena or in a corner of a corridor and things like that like where the environment yeah. makes a difference mm. i guess so just having an interesting environment uh, with opportunities in it uh, yeah. will encourage that sort of play but yeah. uh, you can also as, as the gm you can just have the the opposition be doing stuff so as these two as these few guys pin the players down some other guys are breaking off and running around the back or they disappear mm -hmm. out of the door and then appear somewhere else mm -hmm. uh, or you know the window higher up if they're using maneuver all the time then the players yeah. might think oh actually we should be doing some of this shouldn't we <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah basically uh, uh figuring out a way to incentivize players from not just standing there and just rolling attack parry mm. attack parry all the time right yeah. and there are some very nice spells in runequest that that uh, encourage that sort of play like dark wall and mirror mm -hmm. wall uh, no sorry, light wall light wall yeah um yeah. which i those i don't i haven't come across equivalents of those spells um commonly in other systems but uh, if you can blind that lot over there, we can all then run around to there and they won't see us. And then when the spell runs out, we shoot them in the side or something. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one problem with running RuneQuest is that so many NPCs have so many spells that sometimes <laughs> keeping track of when they cast all the things and what's still running and how many points of protection they've got sometimes that can get a bit overwhelming um yeah but hey ho nothing's yeah. perfect yeah it, it gets crunchy <laughs> and when i when i was in my early days playing RuneQuest, i didn't adapt from D, &D enough and so sometimes a, a big fight would break out and oh i was rolling for every one of the troll kin and you know for Whereas after a while, you, you, you've got to learn as GM, don't roll for every last NPC and what they're doing. Just just yeah. the big important stuff and the rest of it, mm -hmm. just do it with narrative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a few other um, rules where I'm wondering if you also might have um, you know, house rules or uh, suggestions. The, the likelihood is yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one one big thing that comes back often on forums is uh, shields. So, mm -hmm. especially with the latest edition of Runequets, which maybe you haven't played. I, I, I have it on a shelf, but I've never played it. 
Okay. Uh, but yeah, basically, the complaint that shields are not interesting mechanically, maybe even slightly disadvantageous, and that it's just easier to parry with your sword yeah. um, because especially it's using the same skill and so you, for example you only well, have one skill to rise one yeah. one major uh, problem with the original rune quest is that nowhere in the rules does it tell you how you parry missiles um, yeah. and so if you just infer from the way the rules are written uh, then you perhaps would end up concluding that you can just parry a missile with equal facility with anything so a man armed with a dagger could parry a volley of arrows as well as a guy with a shield, which is patently ludicrous. Um, so I would definitely make she- a shields really good against missiles. Yeah. Um, the current and- rules say uh, that you don't parry missiles, you just take them on the shield armor or not. Yeah, so well, you just, like you just say the shield covers, you know, those two hit locations... And if the arrow hits those hit location, it goes on the shield. And if not, then it's like well, you don't actually roll anything. Well, that's 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 daft because you can <laughs> quite definitely um, parry with a shield against missile as long as you could, you you know you're being shot at. Yeah, of course. Yes. Uh, I mean, if, if, in a in a skirmish, you look and if you're an archer and you want to hit someone, look around for the guy who's not looking at you. Uh, oh, that guy over there is looking at that guy right over there. Okay, twang, he won't block you with a shield. But yeah. anyone who's looking at you and is thinking, oh, that archer's going to shoot over here any minute now, that it's not difficult to parry with, with a large shield. I mean, I, I have, I remember standing um, right in front of an archer. Well, I mean, I say right, I mean, he was 20 yards, not, if, if, if not less, from me. And I just had my shield out to the side. So I, he saw my whole body mm-hmm. and I was just waiting and yeah, he couldn't hit me because, yeah, because if you're watching him, you can see when he's just about yeah. to shoot. Yeah, by the uh, time he draws the arrow, you can put the shield up. Yeah, and, and you can see an arrow in flight. They're not that fast. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. well, um, uh, depends on whether you have those game bows or whether you have some uh, bow with real power. Um, Even a war bow, you can see the arrow in in flight pretty well i mean yeah all right if the guy is five feet away with a crossbow <laughs> no but yeah. in that case you just parry the whole bow don't you you just you just <laughs> run at him with your yeah. shield at crossbow height and just smash it smash it out yes. of the way uh, mm-hmm. yes uh, and and sling bullets are much much harder to see in flight yeah, uh, right. so uh, if there's a volley of sling bullets coming at you then yes you duck under your shield and hope that none of them hits you. <laughs> yeah. But if you dug I mean, a large shield, if you if you kneel down behind a large shield and angle it and just tuck your head down, uh, it will cover hit locations one to twenty. Yeah, yeah. Which isn't in the rules, I think, but it will. No, yeah, it's not. But yeah, I I've been musing about having a house rule where you know you can sort of uh, crouch behind your shield, which you know, maybe doubles the number of covered hit locations yeah. at the expense of, you know, now your movement is only one and maybe you can't attack or at a penalty or something, but, you know, trade movement for protection or something. Yeah. If you're a fit, strong guy, you can kneel down, you know, the, the volley hits, and then you're up on your feet, run, 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 run. Here comes the next volley, down. Yeah. Um, so, mm-hmm. yes, shield, shield's good. Um, shield's... 
are good for lots of reasons. Not only do they absorb damage well, uh, because mm-hmm. if you get a chunk cut out of your shield, it doesn't really matter. Whereas if you get a chunk out of the, the center of your axe haft, that really matters. Yeah. Um, and you can be parrying whilst you are attacking. So you don't have to parry with your sword. So at, he, he attacks you with his sword. You parry with your shield. And at the same time, yeah. you're, you're riposting with your sword. It's a, it's a really yeah. good combination. And, and, and that's, that's why something... it was so popular. That's something that's not really modeled in the rules because whether you parry with the sword or with the shield, you roll your sword parry or your shield parry and Mm -hmm. generally, actually, your sword is better anyway. And it's only on subsequent defenses that you start getting the minus 20 cumulative penalty, like, you know, for your second parry and third parry. And so that's why some people have started thinking about, you know, maybe if you parry with your sword after attacking or before attacking like you you get the minus 20 to the other thing that you do with your sword so that it incentivizes you to actually use two things so okay. that you don't yeah. get the penalty right um, yeah, and yeah I'm, I'm i'm so happy with runequest 2 uh and i find it so tweakable you know, it's yeah. very easy to make little alterations to it that I can just tweak RuneQuest 2 to what I want. Yeah. And because I know it like the back of my hand, I'm so familiar with it, I don't feel the need to learn a new system. Right. Um, yeah. And I do think that the new system is is too complicated. Uh, it's It's got tables and charts and, and matrices. <laughs> of, I, I don't want all that. I, yeah. One thing that I loved about the original RuneQuest is that everything you needed to know was on one side of one sheet of paper, your character sheet. <laughs> yeah. you know, what, 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 I have 65% attack in spear, okay? And that informs what my critical chance is, my, my impale chance is, um, and the hit point. It, everything is there. There are no yeah. charts. Oh, like the opposite of Rollmaster, if you ever played that. <laughs> yes, I did. Where they have... <laughs> folks listening at home, they had entire books of combat tables. Yeah, yeah. You, had, you had one full page table per weapon type. Yep. Yep. And um, uh, two more for criticals. Yep. Yes. And, if a, and, and I, I, I didn't play Rollmaster much, but uh, my experience was you, you played a roleplay game until a fight started, and then maybe the fight will be coming close to resolution before it's time to go home. yeah well i mean the rune quest combat is not very fast either uh, in my experience but uh, no but with a good ref it can be exciting and fast Uh, it does demand more of a ref um Mm -hmm. and it is a bit of a problem with trying to play over zoom I think if the people are physically around a table and can see what's going on and you can look people in the eye, eye contact (laughs) is very, no, eye eye contact is really important. I I found this whilst I was trying to ref over Zoom. Mm -hmm. I would say something to to all the the players and no one would say anything in response. There'd be just this this (laughs) gap of time. Well, because because they don't know who you're looking at. They don't know who I'm looking at and they're all too (laughs) polite. You know, if, if one person says, oh, we're doing this, the mm-hmm. others might be thinking, well, who, who, who put you in charge? Um, so nobody speaks. Whereas if I'm there around the table, I just say, you know, what's happening? And then I catch someone's eye and he just goes, ah, I shoot him or whatever. And something <laughs> yeah. happens. And it, yeah. uh, it's, it's so much easier to keep the pace going. Yeah. 
when you're physically um, in the room. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to slightly go back to the um, editions, mm-hmm. you might actually be okay with the latest edition because it's mostly RuneQuest 2.5. It's like okay. a RuneQuest 2 chassis. And they added like passions and runes, which is sort of like if you've played Pendragon, it's basically the traits. Yes. But adapted to Glorantha with like runes and passions. So you can, you can get motivated by your loyalty to Sartar or whatever and get some bonuses. Uh, and they also made uh, rune magic like more reusable so that you don't actually cast um, divine magic just once in a blue moon, but you actually can cast it reliably uh, every adventure. Yes. So now, the- in, in RuneQuest 2, that, that I know of RuneQuest 2, there was battle magic yeah. and yeah. rune magic. Yes. And then in RuneQuest 3, they renamed it spirit magic. Yeah. And then in one of the later editions, what used to be called battle magic got called rune magic. Uh, and they, they, <laughs> oh, yeah, seem to, they seem to rename what battle magic is pretty much every time. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, battle they, magic is. I, I, I do. I would agree that battle magic was not a good name for it in the first place. Um, <laughs> yeah. They, 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 they kept the, the name spirit magic for the new edition, but it's. I mean, right. by and large, it's it's really RuneQuest two point five. Um, so so yeah, you might like it. Okay. Well, it depends who's playing. You know, uh, all these games, <laughs> uh, the, the players around the table should be more important than the system. Yes. Uh, if they're not, then uh, either there's something wrong with the players or something wrong with the system, I would say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Last bit on shields before oh, okay. uh, we move on to something else. Uh, one thing I also would like maybe to see with shields, but I don't know if, you know, if it's a movie thing or if it's a real thing. It's the tricks that you can do with shields, such as, you know, you know, bashing something or using it to distract and make an opening for mm-hmm. your, um, for your attack. And like, how does that happen? Or is it just a, a movie cinematic thing? Um, you can definitely ram someone using a shield to protect right. yourself from any sharp bits that stick out from him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's perfectly feasible. Um, a man armed with sword and shield will use those in a way that he understands to, that will cause the other person to come to harm. Um, and I just like the skills as represented by a percentage on, on, yeah. the, on the, the skill to abstract all that for me. So, mm-hmm. for instance, I remember years ago, uh, I was playing a sci-fi role-play game and my mission was to stop a terrorist who was placing a bomb in a sports stadium and mm-hmm. I found the bomb, and uh, he'd but he'd already planted it, and it was you know it was it was counting down already. So I had to defuse it, and mm-hmm. my character had bomb disp- uh, disposal as one of his skills. And so the referee kept saying things like, "Okay, well you see four screws on a plate on the top, and then there's a switch on the side, and a glowing light here, and there's this." He was describing all the details. So what are you going to do? I said, "Okay, I'm a bomb disposal expert. I use my expertise to." Defuse the bomb. Yeah, yeah, but I want you to tell me what you're going to do. Yeah. I'm not a bomb disposal expert, but <laughs> my character yeah. is a bomb disposal expert, so I'll do that. So a guy who's expert at fighting with sword and shield will sometimes, yes, um, see an opportunity to uh, use the edge of his uh, shield to knock his shield open, creating an opening to get the sword through. Mm-hmm. And you can ask players to try for these things, or you could just roll the dice, see, oh, he got a hit. 
And then, as GM, describe what happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, you you saw an opportunity to knock his, you know, because you're really good with your shield, blah, 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 blah. It happened. Mm-hmm. And that's why you ended up causing, causing the hit. So I'm not a fan of having um, loads of separate skills and feats. Um, actually, you know, there is a version of RuneQuest that has feats in. Um, oh, um uh, it's not the late. I think it's the last edition from before the, the current one had feats in it. Well, and I just yeah. thought, I just thought, ah, oh, you don't need all this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And the very the, the Rune Quest I liked had climb skill, and it said had a paragraph in quite big writing that just said, "This is how good you are at climbing. Uh, if you've got something convenient like a rope, it's double your chance." And mm-hmm. You know, uh, a master. There are just a couple of little ideas to give you some idea of how fast you would go, and that's it. But later on, they they said, "Oh, you know, if, if you do a critical, you you get plus d three meters per turn, and this is how many meters you'll go in so many seconds and on various surfaces." And I don't want to know all that. I don't. I, I don't want to have to memorize all that stuff. It's how good you are at climbing. That you're being chased. Come on, there's a story happening here. There, 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 the trolls are coming around the corner, and maybe they'll see. But maybe quick, 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 roll some dice. Yeah, that's good enough. You're over the wall. That's what you want. Well, um, I think I'm out of rules now. Um, I've uh, got some questions about what happens if you're fighting in a battle. Mm. A, a big mass battle with, involving yeah. thousands uh, of people, well, that sort of thing. Or just a shield wall. How does it feel? I mean, you have some practical experience over that. Right, yes. Well, um, individual prowess doesn't count for a lot. If, if you're up against a, a good shield wall that, and where the people know what they're doing... Uh, and and that, that's an important thing to add, because if they don't know what they're doing, it is possible to smash your way through. But if they know what they're doing, one guy, no matter how good he is, cannot take them on. Don't care how good you are. But that also means that if uh, there are 500 of them and 500 of you and they're coming up the hill, even if you're really good, you're still in tremendous danger because you know, the left-hand end of your line might collapse and then they might wrap around and then you're for it. Uh, so yes, the the skill of the individual matters an awful lot less. Okay, and so uh, assume, yeah. ah, I realize. Sorry, what I've just what I've just said there. All right, it matters a lot less in say a reenactment. In a reenactment, everyone's there for fun. Nobody is afraid. No one is afraid of dying, and they all want to get some fighting done <laughs> because otherwise, why have we all got dressed up? Right. <laughs> so what happens with two with, in a reenactment is that the lines clash all the way along because everyone along that line wants to get stuck in uh however in reality people can get close to being stabbed range but just that last that last step so you now are actually in measure of the enemy and someone might actually stab you that's a really big step to take particularly if they've all got spears so you're stepping within range not of just the guy opposite you but maybe five guys uh, he and the two guys either side of him. So mm-hmm. um, and yeah. you can't watch all five of them at once. So <laughs> then the individual can make a difference in that the one hero who is able to uh, suddenly nip in when he sees an opportunity, skewer one guy in, in, the, uh, 
in the opposing line, creating a gap and then immediately inspiring the people around him to exploit that gap and, and, and make it wider and so forth. And then that precipitates a general movement and the enemy starts retreating or something. So localized, yes, the, the, the grand result can stem from the action of a few heroes in one spot in a world which has terror in it. Because yeah. you only have to stab someone and for, to the guy standing next to the guy who got stabbed, my God, that's, that's, that's my local baker. That's, that's, <laughs> that's Dennis. They just stabbed Dennis. And now they're coming for me. I don't want to be stabbed. Then he takes a step back and then the guy behind him yeah. has to take a step back because otherwise he'll trip over that rock. And, and after a while, you've got yeah. a, you know, a major movement happening. So individuals in that sense can make a difference. But with... Um, 500 against 500 at first, it's just, yeah. it's the overall unit that uh, mm -hmm. makes the difference. Yeah, so it's, uh, at, at that point, it's the, the, the soldier training, the discipline and the, the fearlessness or the amount of loyalty that mm -hmm. keeps the line in rather than, you know, how much they have in sword skill each Yeah, um, I, in, in a reenactment group that uh, I fought in for a few years, there was quite a big variety in skill, mm -hmm. uh, but a well-coordinated group could beat anyone, no matter how good, and mm -hmm. yeah. uh, everyone was potentially useful. Uh, it, just having a bit of initiative, initiative makes a huge difference, and it's not to do with how dexterous you are. It's a mental thing. Yeah. Um, and the way we fought, my particular group, really honed initiative so if you realize for a while oh no one's attacking me at the moment i'm i'm free if you like you could then withdraw and run and, and run round behind the enemy and threaten them you don't actually attack you only have to be there you only have to let them know that you're there and they will then have to respond to you so someone will have to break off and turn around to deal with you and then th their line's got a gap in it and is, mm -hmm. and is shorter. And so then the guy, you know, you can do a lot of good without actually hitting anyone. Right. Um, <laughs> and do, do you ever run that kind of stuff in an RPG, though? Because, like, it's notoriously hard to run mass battles in RPGs. Oh, mass battles. Okay. Well, uh, or, there or I was talking. That, like, there there just, I was talking. Yeah. Yes. Um, absolutely. Uh, as GM, uh, I, will have, I will have the opposition doing this stuff. And if you're not going to respond to it, then uh, then all the initiative is mine. Okay. Uh, so if I start sending the, the free trolkin round the back and they don't do anything, they, every time you look at him, he just says, oh, is it my turn? Okay, oh, I've hit. And all he's doing is just standing there and whacking the guy in front of him until he's dead. Mm -hmm. uh, well, then the trolkin will get round behind and will be able to do whatever it is trolkin can do when they're behind you. Um, <laughs> uh, and... So yes, by, by showing a bit of initiative uh, and and just making it dynamic. I mean, you, you try to set up fights uh, such that they're not just slogging matches because they're they're not fun. Mm -hmm. um, and ideally, for a dramatic fight, the purpose of it should not be to kill the other guy. The purpose should be something else. You're trying to cross the bridge. You're trying yeah. to get the stuff that's in the treasure chest. You're trying to pull the lever the other side of the room. Yeah, you know, it's it's capture the flag in time before the thing collapses, yeah. or yeah, they're they're the good action scenes are not just about the action, but the stake of yeah. Uh, it, it, if it's just uh, and if, if if the enemy always fights to the to the death to the last man, which is mm -hmm. what they do yeah. in most dungeons, 
um, then well, they do, don't they? I mean, who, who takes who takes the last orc captive? Other, other perhaps than other as a joke. Yeah, and um, it's it's also something that needs to be clarified, you know, in session zero or something with your players because. I've got some players who would fight to the death because they they don't want to be captured because they yeah. figure like if I captured I'm I'm killed. Whereas mm. you know you can clarify in session zero. No, if you get captured, you might be ransomed back, yeah. or you know we might run a, a prison escape scenario or whatever. Yes, and again, that's a play. There are some players who. The, the, the Munchkin school where they've spent ages getting magic items. <laughs> And it's all about just getting more and more magic items until they can defeat anything. Uh, and they are—they would rather die than lose their magic items. Yeah. They're, so they, they're, they're ruled by their, their things. Uh, but yes, if you have the right players and instilling them the idea it's about story and it's about character, then yeah, one, one of the best... I mean, when I was um, uh, doing a lot of LARP, this is quite a few years ago, um, the system... There weren't levels, but there were ranks within guilds and religions. So you would join a guild and then you'd get promoted to guild sergeant or then guild captain or whatever. And then you'd get... So if you were in the physician's guild, they would teach you how to heal, you know, one limb in a way which is useful once a day. And then they would teach you how to make these special bandages that that increased your healing powers. So... It, it simulated levels, but in a believable way. It was, it was better than levels. Um, anyway, um, m- m- the, possibly the best character I ever had, he didn't join a guild and he didn't join a church. So he had no powers ever. I, he, his weapons were a knife and a stick because he, cause you had to join the mercenaries guild to get a weapon license. So he wasn't legally allowed uh, anything more than a knife and a stick. So that's what he had. I had a, a little, little like a fruit knife and a stick. And he was my best character. <laughs> Save the bleeding kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, one question I have about uh, asking for ransom is how do you do so in the middle of a skirmish? Oh, yeah. um, well, if you can communicate with your opposition, you, you make this clear. Uh, step one is throw down your weapons so that you're, and, and do it ostentatiously in front of them so they can see that you didn't just drop them, that you've chosen to throw them down. <laughs> uh, uh, put your hands in the air and, and say, my ransom is 30,000 guilders. That usually does it. <laughs> <laughs> Roll for fast talk. So now the other party has to move you back uh, behind uh, their lines, or how does that happen? Oh, I mean, you, you've got to judge how they would react. Uh, a, a cliff toad probably would just go, oh, great. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, more civilized beings who can understand, even if they can't understand your the words, they may get it from body language and tone. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, they might know the word gilders. Um, <laughs> so yeah, if 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 you if you're a PC and you're surrendering to an NPC, it comes down to the the GM. Um, how how would they react? And what is dramatically interesting? Mm-hmm. It could be that it's dramatically interesting for them to pretend to capture him and then slay him in front of all the others. <laughs> and that could be a dramatically amazing ending for that character and an amazing motivation for all the others to new drama. 
Yeah, um, especially if the NPC doing the killing is the you know the the, oh. the big lord who becomes the the evil big bad who killed yeah. Dennis the Baker. Up until that moment, they all trusted him, but then mm-hmm. suddenly this happened. Dun dun dun! Exactly yeah. dramatic. There's a um, a system that I've played quite a lot called Hillfolk. Uh, yeah. Terrible name. Should have been called Drama System. They, but there yeah. you go. Um, and in that, there is no possibility with a, a random die roll that a stray bullet happens to kill you yeah. oh, oh no zero one sorry you're dead that never happens mm-hmm. you can only die if everyone around the table agrees that it's dramatically appropriate yeah uh and if it is universally agreed then presumably it is dramatically appropriate so hey something dramatically appropriate will then happen and that should be satisfying in- including to the person whose character that is yeah. a good yeah. a good death sir Yes. That's yes. <laughs> what, what half was it here for. What is it? Bring me glory or bring me death or whatever it is, the saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and mass battles. I um, With really mass battles, um, I, I, mean, I have written some scenarios with really big battles, not skirmishes. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's his name? Oh, for, I suppose, the main one that I actually wrote them out for in full was for D&D 3.5. This was when, years ago, I was Mm -hmm. actually writing a book that was uh, going to be Trojan War 3.5. Oh, cool. Um, And I had the book 90% finished, and then the the open game license was withdrawn, and uh, (laughs) D&D 4th edition came out. And I yeah. thought, oh, no, I'm going to have to convert everything to fourth. Oh, well, never mind. Here we go. Went out, bought fourth edition, came home, read it, thought, I can't. This, <laughs> I, this, I, there, my game will not convert into this. This is not a role-play game. This is, this is World of Warcraft for tabletop. Yeah. <laughs> Warcraft, I meant to say. Um, so that was it. That was the end of that project, and it just got shelved. Um, <laughs> Maybe one day I'll get back to it and convert it to another system because there's some really nice scenarios and some really nice. And so, um, how, how did you handle the, the the battles in there? Oh right, so the battles, yes. Yeah. So in one of this one of the scenarios is a big battle, um, but I did write a chapter on on or half a chapter on how to handle big battles, and there are a number of ways of doing it. Um, one is uh, the outcome is fixed, so yeah. You know, for instance, let's imagine um, the 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 side that the the PCs are on is going to lose. Mm-hmm. It is going to lose. That is what is going to happen. No matter what the PCs do, they're on the losing side. So something else becomes interesting. What happens to our heroes in their unit? Does do, do, does the unit that our heroes are in does it distinguish itself? Is it you know does it perhaps do really well and it's the only you know, bit of glory for their side that day. And afterwards, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's congratulating them on how well they did, but we did lose the battle. So so it is fixed no matter what you do. And that may sound as though that's, that's boring and what have you, but um, I, I wrote a scenario where it was, that was the case. The, 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 the PCs were always going to lose. Um, and none of my playtesters complained because enough interesting things happened that they could respond to personally and that they could achieve within the confines of a battle mm-hmm. um, yeah. that they had a story to tell. So that was all right. Um, another way of doing it is that the the outcome is not fixed, um, but the the player's influence on the outcome is massively exaggerated. 
So you you deliberately contrive matters so that the the the, the crucial point that's going to turn the battle from victory or defeat is where mm-hmm. the players just happen to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone else gets knocked out by a sleep spell, and it's all up to them, <laughs> or something, you know. And it, they, that is horribly contrived, so I, I tend not to do that. Yeah. Right. Um, but with the right build-up and the, the right story leading to this point, maybe that's perfectly appropriate. Um, Player action uh, might be more decisive in the preparation of a battle, like scouting or setting up a trap or stuff like that. Hmm. Yes. Uh, and another thing is you have you have a fixed outcome for the overall battle, but within it is something that is not fixed. Yeah. So, for instance, the players are an, a light cavalry unit and they are tasked with going behind the enemy, attacking the baggage train, getting into the camp and stealing the enemy's thingamajig. exactly they've got a MacGuffin in a tent their agent Mm -hmm. has told them it's in in a tent with red and white panels uh, with a triple pennant flying from it and so if they can so that becomes their mission and the rest of the battle is fixed it's going to go one way or the other you've decided in advance but you don't take the players Um, (laughs) um, and another thing is that you can also have one that's not fixed I wouldn't recommend this actually this one I I have tried it and (laughs) The thing is, to get good at doing what I'm about to say, you'd have to do it a few times, which would almost certainly mean you'd have a couple of bad games. So, you know, <laughs> okay. I don't think it's worth having a couple of bad games to get good at this. But you could actually have a war game. So there are figures on a table and yeah. you have a war game system and you know, the players are in that unit there of a thousand spearmen or perhaps mm-hmm. they're scattered amongst a few. And you then play out the war game. And so when... Uh, a volley of arrows is shot at that unit. You just uh, roll some dice to see. Well, you roll some dice to see the effect overall on the unit, and some more dice to see the effect on the individuals, player characters within it. Mm-hmm. Um, several reasons I wouldn't recommend it. The main one is to do with time. Yes, it's too slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you have a, a good simple system, and the the referee is really really familiar with it. And he can he can do stuff really quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Then it can work, but it's tedious. It, it takes it takes a lot of GM skill to do that and to keep keep the, uh, keep the pace going, yeah. keep it exciting. Right. Yeah, yeah. Eric, you got more questions? Yeah, it's some a uh, little bit more on warfare. I mean, uh, sure. We yeah. always uh, talk about Glorantha being a Bronze Age world. Mm-hmm. And there's a limited amount uh, that we know about Bronze Age battles, really. Right. We have quite a bit uh, from Egyptian battles, which may have been quite versatile. And we have one barbarian battle we know a little bit. That's the Tolensa Valley. And that's, oh, to my knowledge, um, uh, that's, to my knowledge, the only one where we have riders uh, participating oh, in battle. In, okay. Um, I'm struggling to remember those at Tolensa. Um Because like all of all of the stuff, like for example, all for the um, Alexander the Great battles and all that, you don't categorize that in Bronze Age. <laughs> definitely, well, no, not. Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great is definitely uh, post Iron. Um, okay. In fact, there there is Iron actually mentioned in Homer, but not used for weapons. It's used for plows and and the like. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. 
most things aren't so very different. A man with a spear is a man with a spear. Uh, a shield made out of wooden leather is a shield made out of wooden leather. Uh, a formation of men uh, marching in step to the sound of a trumpet or, or something is sort of the same. Um, c- command and control is shouting trumpets, drums, yeah. gongs, whatever. It's, it's noise and waving flags yeah. and messengers running about. So that really isn't so different. Um, I suppose in the Bronze Age, very few people can read. In fact, some um, you know, some entire armies might not be able to read at all. So written mm-hmm. orders and coded signals from a distance are a bit limited. But yeah. uh, but you can still have a very very sophisticated message, as in, you know, launch the cavalry on the left wing now, whilst the centre withdraws, uh, covering the retreat using archers, uh, but bring up the, the chariots behind in a really long, complicated ma- message, as long as you've agreed it in advance. You can say, when I raise this shield, it means all <laughs> yeah. this stuff, all that stuff that we discussed in the tent last night. Well, th- th- this is when you have like all the flags with like 32 different colour combinations so that you know that the combination of red with the stripes of blue or whatever that means the what you said or something like that right right but if if the if the ordinary men in the army not the officers but if the ordinary men have to know what's going on yeah maybe two signals is about the limit <laughs> i would recommend if you want this to work right um you got your battle plans have to be simple yeah uh, yeah Mm-hmm. If, if they're that sort of prearranged thing. Um, so the difference, yeah, the difference isn't enormous. Um, the, the difference of bringing in things like magic is way bigger. Yes. The difference between, um, yeah, Bronze Age and Iron Age isn't so anything like as different as Bronze Age with magic to Bronze Age without magic. So <laughs> I'm, not, yeah. I'm not too fussed. The, the idea that healing can be done really quickly on the spot mm-hmm is bound to make people braver, surely. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you, can be sh- you can be shot and bleeding to death. You can be shot right through the chest. The arrow comes out your back. It's gone through your lung. You've just dropped like a stone. But you know that there are a few guys behind you who've got healing six. And they'll, still, they'll have you It still on. hurts, though. <laughs> yeah, but you're a, you're a man, right? You're a hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the magic, they call it battle magic in RQ2, it's almost all combat related. So calling yeah. it battle magic isn't so ridiculous. In the real world, if magic existed, an awful lot of it would be to do with um, avoiding getting blisters on your hands when you're working, being more attractive to the opposite sex, uh, painkillers, you know, because, oh, my grandma's been suffering for years with her back, but fortunately she's learned this painkiller spell. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and they would be for increasing harvests and looking after animals and monitoring where your kids are. And, <laughs> and there's some of it, like as the as as the rule books and magic books are published and are gaining size from one edition to another. Do you you see some of those more like everyday utilitarian spells showing mm-hmm. up in the rules? So there's there is a bit of that, um, but. There is also, I assume, like for example, the existence of spells like blade sharp, and 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 all of the spells that increase the damage and the skill with with a weapon. Mm. That's probably bound to 
you know it's like yeah we don't really need to figure out you know iron blacksmithing because we can just take a bronze weapon and make it you know plus 10 by casting a spell on it well magic becomes technology yes um so uh, today people are doing a huge amount with genetics and computers because those are to to fields of human endeavor which we we see working and has have tremendous potential so yes mm-hmm. what why yeah i agree i agree with entirely the 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 you most people will be just trying to make a better blade sharp spell rather than develop iron <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and also it's probably like i'm not sure which is easier between increasing your the magical potency of your army mm-hmm. versus training them to be better at, you know, their spear and shield. Uh, it might be just easier to, it's like, they're good enough. Now, okay, let's get the magicians to cast a whole bunch of plus 20% um, bonuses to everybody. Yes, what you would imagine an archery unit, you, you, in order to join the archery unit in the first place, you'd have to mm-hmm. have speed dart or something. Yeah. Or uh, uh, what's it? Multi multi arrow? Was it called? Multi missile. Yeah. Yeah. Multi missile. Multi missile. That's it. There you go. That shows you how long it's been since I played. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, and so then there would be a, an, an agreed signal, which is okay. On this next volley, everyone multi missiles. Right. So it, be- yeah. it becomes a triple strength volley. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, so you'd, you'd get specialist units. And of course, that makes refereeing them a little bit easier because you can just say, okay, they're archers. So uh, let's say they've all got multi-missile yeah. and you know, this, that, and the other. Um, but um, magic gives with one hand and takes away with the other. So you could say, yes, people are braver because mm-hmm. they've got healing magic and protection. But on the other hand, they might be more cowardly because they know that the opposition has got multi-missile and speed guard. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you know, people get killed. And, and, and with the really big battles that we hear about in, uh, in Glaranthan history, uh, there's an awful lot of death because you know, the, the, the crimson bat turns up and eats half the enemy army or yeah. loads of bruise turn up and everyone gets a disease and dies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yes. It's not. It's not people dying of pinpricks that can be solved with with a healing too. It's um. It, it's the big chaosy nasty stuff. Yeah, the you crackling get you, you get weapons of mass destruction which you wouldn't get in just historical Bronze Age or Iron Age. Right, and if they are reasonably common, then you won't get formation dense formations of men with spears because they're they're just a big fat target to mm-hmm. the. The, the great rolling juggernaut that the enemy launches at you. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, so, yes, you would have to give it, give it a, lot, a lot of thought to what warfare is like in your world. I tend to go for not very magic-rich stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not, I, I don't write scenarios with islands floating in the sky and ancient things that are incredibly powerful and have been, that the, the spell has been running for a thousand years and until these few heroes come in and fo- fo- yeah. you know, foil it in five minutes. Um, uh, so, yeah, I tend to go, my, my style tends to be a bit more, bit more gritty, a bit more real world based. Um, and one wonders about Glorantha, for instance, old people, are they all very healthy? 
I mean, do, do, do old people have no chipped teeth, no missing fingers, no aching backs? Because in a world with the healing magic, as it is described literally in the rule book, you would think mm -hmm. they're all in perfect health. Um, in, the, in this original Apple Lane scenario, there's a, one of the characters, one of the NPCs in Apple Lane is, is missing an eye, I think, or uh, and someone yeah. else is missing a hand. And you think, well, how did that? I mean, in, but half the people in your village could sort that out. Why, why hasn't any of them done it? <laughs> well, I mean, so I was wondering that when I started playing in the RuneQuest not too long ago. Mm. Um, and I realized that first two, you know, reattached limbs and all that, you need mm. to find somebody who has like heal six within 10 minutes. Otherwise, it's like, no, too bad. You've lost your eye or your leg or, or whatever. Um, and so it's tricky to, you know, you're out there on the hill and you've got one leg severed and you're carrying it and you're hopping on one leg and you have to get to the <laughs> village in 10 minutes. Yeah, it's... Just stick it on ice. And when you get there, if you ask really nicely, he'll cast Regrow Limb. Yeah, and then you get into the, the sort of... Uh, economy of scale sort of thing where um, you've got a lot of magic that has to go to lots of different things, you know, healing, blessing pregnancies, blessing crops, doing this, doing that, keeping some in reserve in case we get raided and keeping some for whatever. Mm. And um, I like making spreadsheets because I'm stupid <laughs> like that. Uh, and I made a spreadsheet trying to figure out where to allocate all that stuff. Um, and I realized that, you know, depending on what your vision is, because of course, all of the parameters that go in the spreadsheet depend on how you do your world building, but you could fairly easily get into a position where actually all your healers need to pick and choose who they're going to heal. You know, mm -hmm. there's a group of 50 men who just left and you just injured yourself stupidly with a shovel, then, well, you got to wait because we don't know how much healing magic we're going to need for all those men who come back. And and so there's a percentage of people that go unhealed. And um, and the yeah. Chalana Roy Temple now has some sort of weird, subtle power because they prioritize who gets the healing. Um, which also gets you into interesting uh, territory. Yes, I, I, mean, I think in, in an ideal campaign, it would all be to do with uh, obligations. So yes, yeah. Yeah. someone will uh, re regrow a limb, but oh by, you really owe him big time now. There's when, that, yes. and, and then when something bad happens to his brother, he says, oh, <laughs> my brother's gone lost now. I think I'd like you to find him. Yeah. And, yeah. All, and the, all, if all the local people know that this is the guy who cast Regrow Limb on you, mm -hmm. they're going to think very little of you if you don't uh, make good <laughs> yes. that obligation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So re reputation, knock-on consequences of, of that sort of thing should be a springboard to drama. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. I had a couple of miscellaneous questions again about like, you know, weapons and the rules and things like that. I've seen recently this whole debate where RuneQuest has a short sword weapon category. All right. And I, th I think you did a video actually on games that have one weapon skill 
per weapon type. And you were saying like, you know, mm. it shouldn't be that granular. There should be more transfer of skill between it's you know. to do with the and which actually this just reminds me um i in in my uh, trojan war game with the one of the skills that i had yeah. uh was re, i called it read battle essentially mm. it's it's the skill of looking around you and yeah. trying to work out a what the hell is going on yeah and b what needs to be done so that bad things do not happen Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you make your roll, you realize that, oh, that dust there is probably that unit retreating. We can't actually see the unit, but yeah. that's my best guess as to what's going on over there. And mm-hmm. there's a trumpet. It's not one of our trumpets. And that, to me, sounds like an... I think they're launching... Exactly. If you want... So re- just roll on your read battle skill. And, yeah. and and then, of course, a player might say, okay, I've, I've, I now my character now knows what to do. But I don't really know what to do. Does my and okay, roll on your read battle. Okay, yeah. you think that your your unit needs to pull out and pull out now, and mm-hmm. then you got yeah. more drama because of course the guy who's in yeah. command of the unit is saying no, no, no. We've been told to stay here, and you and you're arguing with them. No, no, no. Seriously, we need to move, and we need to move now. <laughs> yeah. And drama and drama is good. And, yes. uh, yeah. Yeah. and 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 maybe it'll turn out that you were wrong. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry, that was a big. Um, that was an aside. What was the question yeah. again? <laughs> so yeah, I was talking about the different. Um, oh yes, weapon, weapon skill. Types. That was it. Yes. Right. So yes, yeah, so I was proposing um, a sort of overall fight skill, because if you have learned to read what an opponent is doing, you've you and you can you've learned to read his style and to ju- to judge what range he likes to attack at. And you, you've, you've spotted his tail. He, he, his left shoulder moves just before he moves to the left every single time. And, uh, and you've learned to react and you've learned to keep calm and you've learned to, uh, to, to parry, but only with just enough force to do the job. You don't over-parry. Um, all these things are skills that carry over no matter what you're doing in a fight. So if you are spectacularly excellent with a short sword... You're going to be pretty good with anything you pick up. Not right. as good with short sword. Yeah. I'm not saying there's no such thing as yeah. skills specific to a weapon, but but to be good with a short sword, you actually need loads and loads and loads of other skills. Yeah, that and are not I, specific I, to that weapon. I think in the Rune Quest, it transfers to like half half your skill is what half you your, have in the in the other. Yeah, weapons. it's it's half your skill if you've got one in the same family. So yeah. all right, um, so but between like a sword and an axe, you would stop the axe at 10% or whatever. I I can't I mean it, it, with each different it's different, but it's something like one-handed thrusting weapon and two-handed thrusting weapon yeah. and one-handed chopping weapon and and I think sword might be a category and so forth. Um and I would say that no, it's broader than that. Even if you pick up a weapon that belongs to another category, your way of moving, of handling yourself, of situational awareness, seeing what's, where, where the threats are coming from, all those things, you've honed all of those. Actually, what shape the thing you hit him with is, is, you know, is tertiary, really. Mm, right. So you would both make skills more transferable, but also possibly reduce the number of, um, uh, uh, of particular weapon skill type and just have like an axe skill instead of a, a battle axe versus whatever axe versus so-and-so? I, sp- I mean, a, an easy way to, to so if you don't, don't want to tweak too much, is just say yeah. that um, 
rather than half in the same weapon category, maybe it's more like three quarters of whatever is your best. Yeah. Or something like that. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah. And that would be a simple rule that will effectively model what I was saying. Right. And, um, and one thing is like about the short sword. I've seen people argue that there shouldn't even be a short sword um, skill and weapon category. Um, myself, I'm just confused. Like, what is the difference between a broadsword and a short sword, for example? Like, it's Okay, well, broadsword is a term that keeps turning up in and there's actually there's one or i was going to do a video on this there's one edition of runequest where the 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 pick the, the you know the page where they have pictures of all the weapons yes yeah every single one was wrong and I thought, <laughs> wow that's that's impressive every single one okay a broadsword um is a, a type of sword that's contemporary with the rapier it's okay. a very very late it's it's a renaissance weapon really um and you know what a rapier is the really really yeah. long thin mm -hmm. ones okay well broadswords are called broadswords because they're not rapiers <laughs> they're not the really really long thin ones um and your classic broadsword uh is you know, the basket hilted thing you, you might uh, you, you'll see in the picture being used by scottish you know it's got the kilt and a basket hilted broadsword it's okay. a, a, a bro yeah. it's, it's not a <laughs> it's contemporary with but it's not a rapier Mm -hmm. um, nobody was making well confusingly there is a type of, of bronze age weapon called a rapier but it's a completely different sort of weapon um, <laughs> this the, is not confusing the rapier that we know as rapier like, like you know the, the three musketeers that sort yeah. of rapier mm -hmm. you would never make one of those out of bronze because it would just be way too bendy yeah. mm -hmm. um, you want steel that's really springy and whippy uh, and will we'll, we'll flip back. You make that out of bronze and it's going to bend and probably stay bent. And it's just, you know, it's, it's not going to work. Um, most swords in the Bronze Age were what we would now call a short sword because if you make a very long bronze sword, it breaks. If you hit anything really hard with it, it'll just break. Um, so, so is uh, there a difference between broadswords and short swords then when you're talking okay, well, about... Broads in the, in, the con, in the context of the Bronze Age world, there is no such thing as a broadsword. That shouldn't be a category. Get rid of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so you could just have longer and shorter swords. Yeah. Um, and of course, in Glorantha, you can always say, ah, well, Gloranthan bronze isn't like Earth bronze. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's a fantasy world, and you can say, oh, it's, it's my fantasy, damn it. Um, I would say that you know, the, the, the two-handed sword, I can remember... Um, uh, arguing with the editor of um, Tales of the Reaching Moon years ago, and he was saying, "Oh, but I want the I want to play the hero who you know who wear, wields a you know a great sword in one hand." Okay, one. No, you can't wield. Yeah, Don't, you can't wield a great sword in one hand. Two, you should be punished for trying because only a twonk would give it a go. And three, there were no Bronze Age great swords. And four, even if there were, they would break so easily that. Mm -hmm. They're not, no, not a practical weapon. Um, it's magic, it's yeah. dwarf technology, whatever. <laughs> well, if that's the way you want to go, but then you're, you're sacrificing so much interest. Yeah. You're suddenly, oh, where, where do we get this bronze from? Mm -hmm. and, and how is bronze, because if bronze is largely used for weapons, then this is a technology that a lot of powerful um, groups like the Lunars might really want to get control over and mm -hmm. pass yeah. laws. So, so trading in bronze and moving bronze. I mean, we, we find, don't we, it's in the words of the, the original rule book that bronze in Glorantha is mined from the bones of dead gods. Mm -hmm. 
uh, okay, I mean, that's a great idea. That's, I like that. But, I mean, how, how many of these dead gods are there? Are, are they everywhere? <laughs> I, I would like to think that they're not everywhere and that there are, you know, some really special places which are yeah. guarded by powerful forces uh, and there are some very special people who've got a very special skill of prospecting for god bones yeah. because, mm-hmm. you know, this is god magic and it's you know, powerful. You don't want to mess with a, you know, with a, with a bone finder. Um, yeah. And there's a scenario just waiting for it to happen there that you know, a new skeleton of a god is discovered up in some hills where nobody lives and all the local powers want control of it. Yeah. Who's, who's going to get there first? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they, they, they've been backpedaling a bit on that over the, the decades where now I think it's mostly like some of it is from dead gods. But most of it is done by smelting in like the normal no, way. No, no, no. <laughs> that's I think I think that's what it says in one of the latest books. I'll I'll have to find you the quote, but I'm pretty sure that's what it. But says. then we need to know. So if it is like Earth Bronze, um, then is that different from God Bronze? Is God Bronze better? Yes, it is. I think I think I think what they say is that it's done by smelting, like on Earth. But neither tin nor copper are the same on Glorantine on Earth either. So, I seem I to mean, remember they're, reading they're, they're something like that. They're keeping it washy-washy uh, uh, on purpose. But, well, but then again, you're missing out because in the real world, tin is very rare. Yes. Very, and, and if you talk about the ancient world around the Mediterranean, it only, mm-hmm. it only exists in a few places. Therefore, yeah. he who controls the tin trade controls <laughs> yes. weapons trade. And so tin mines become really special places. And that's interesting. That's another springboard to drama and politics. It is is interesting. I know that uh, Jeff Richard, which is the current um, creative director on Glorantha right now, did start mapping out where the copper mines are and where the tin mines are. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I would like to see like more sort of um, um, supply chain and resource management stuff to see, you know, how the different armies and faction um, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, compete for those resources. But it doesn't look like it's uh, a direction that they really want to go too nope. deep in. <laughs> but I know that there is somewhere a list of where those copper and tin mines are around Dragon Pass. So it's, it's okay, out there. But there, there are loads of scenarios waiting to be written and published there. Yeah. So, okay, yes. plot hook. Uh, a shipload of tin has gone missing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where is it? Did it, did it yes. sink? Have pirates got it? Is it in a cove somewhere? Yep. Did it, were, were they, was, was the crew bribed to sail it to a different port? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And agents, agents are sent in all directions to find it, and some of these are the PCs. What will they find? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and well, I agree. It's um, there's a lot of stuff to do, uh, lots of adventures to be done once you start looking at that. But um, yeah, but yeah, I don't want to get your started too much on metallurgy because then you can't stop him. <laughs> oh or is, I, didn't, I didn't realize that was a danger okay next question <laughs> yeah. uh, but coming back to god's bone uh, i just want to suggest that god's bone might be a natural laminate because of growth rings and so on oh what with of, of tin and copper yes so uh, uh that you get uh basically you get a layered metal because it, mm-hmm. it's grown naturally and that will give uh, some superior tensile strength or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 
And and some gods, of course, could have other things. Yeah, of course, yes. You know, uh, 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 okay, the lunars are too are too recent, I suppose, for them to be. Any, but you know, if it were a lunar god in a few thousand years, uh, then maybe it has silver as well in its bones. Yeah. Well, uh, the lunars actually rediscovered a lot of ancient gods which were lunars, and we know of at least uh, two fall-down sites where uh, moons uh, fell on the Earth. Oh, okay. There you go, then. Silver mines. <laughs> yeah. Or not even silver mines, like um, some secret ancient document that tells you where there is a silver mine to be dug it's like nobody knows that there is a a, a vein of silver there from a, a long dead god or something like that i don't know mm-hmm. and so i just hope you've put lots of uh, lots of your your character development points into shovel skill <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm, I'm using tamed uh, Tolkien for that they okay. eat anything yeah oh yes <laughs> Uh, generally speaking, what what do you think RPGs get well or bad about you know ancient warfare, and and what can people do to fix that or to just improve um, stuff at their table? Um, well, roleplay games have a problem in that the the roleplay game's sort of sweet spot is about five players, isn't it? Yeah, and people these days expect to be controlling just one character. So you have to contrive situation after situation in which five characters can make the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the five characters between them have got all the skills and powers necessary to pull it off time after time after time. Um, and that is a problem for uh, scenarios. that I've come across so many scenarios where someone will say, uh, right, so we'll send the army. Ah, oh, no. Um, I think, actually, rather than sending the army, this is a job that's more suited to a very small group of people, like five? Yeah. Five um, people of completely different uh, backgrounds who yeah, have uh, uh, yes, come one, together. One, yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh, although uh, that's one... Actually, that's another thing I like about RuneQuest, is whereas... In most other systems, you need one dwarf, one elf, one wizard, and so forth. In RuneQuest, you could have a perfectly viable adventuring party, which is five Orlanthi, who all yeah. grew up together. Yeah. And between them, they've got all the skills necessary, and they've got all the spells. One of them's got healing, and one of them's good with the bow, etc. Um, so that's a good thing about RuneQuest. But it's still, nonetheless, a thing about role-play games, is that you've got to contrive situations where typically about five people do it all. And the same five get hired every week to do the job. <laughs> and even when they completely mess up, for some reason, they're the only people around who can do it. So, oh, God, we'll, we'll use those five clowns again. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, and so you are, you spend an awful lot of time wandering around abandoned ancient things where everything's tumbled down and you know, there are no longer regular patrols of guards. It's just a few monsters that have moved in. And, and of course, there's still treasure worth having because no one's thought of picking any of it up. Um, <laughs> yes, if it's really about real warfare, then it tends to be whole societies going to war with other whole societies, in which case the scale is beyond five people. Um, but there are an awful lot of stories that have been told with not many characters in set against the background of a war, mm-hmm. but uh, that's not the way most 
role-play scenarios go. And it's not the way that most role-play rule systems are set up. They are set up in the expectations of you're wandering around some ruins and you'll occasionally randomly encounter a monster which will immediately try to kill you because it's a monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, in real life, there are a lot of very, very dangerous animals in the world that, that uh, make their uh, living by killing and eating things like tigers, but they incredibly, incredibly seldom attack humans. Mm-hmm. You know, humans are organized, they're strong, they can throw things. They've got sharp things that, you know, even tigers will very seldom take on a human. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's a massive monster like a dragon, you don't take it on with a sword and shield. <laughs> with a sword and shield against a dragon, you're having a laugh, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a you know, big army unit with, with massive ballistas and formations of pikemen to keep the dragon at a distance and all the rest of it it sounds like your your advice is basically for people to you know have better common sense yes <laughs> it goes a long way I mean, it's just the eye for the dramatic you just, you just got to think what what plot is is suitable for five characters uh, i mean the, the, the whole i mean the format of role play gaming itself has some flaws that are just inherent to the form um, yeah. that you, you can't get round. I mean, one of the biggest is g- accidentally giving away information by skipping a scene. Mm. So yeah. uh, the people are in this city and they're in big trouble. They have made some powerful enemies. They have got to get out of town. So they decide they're going to go to that city over there. But then the people are so powerful, they would just send word to the other city. So they've got to make everyone think that they're actually going somewhere else entirely. So they all buy warm weather clothing uh, to, to, and, and tell everyone, oh, we're going off into the hills and and, and they, they set off that way mm-hmm. so that everyone thinks they're going to the cold mountains. But then they ditch the w- warm clothing and they, they go off into the forest and sneak back and they go back to that other city that they were in fact going to. But they never light a campfire during the day because the smoke might be seen and they always uh, have someone uh, you know on watch awake at all times and they cast all these special magic as a precaution against being um uh, being captured and they go through all this and if you play it out it's incredibly boring <laughs> so what you want to do as a referee is you want to say okay uh you take yeah you take that sort of, those sort of precautions and five days later you you arrive at the at the city so immediately they know oh so no, no one is after us then. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's when you, you, you might say five days later. But before you say that, you say like, hold on. You make a few rolls behind the GM screen that are completely, you know, they're for nothing, but just to keep the players on their toes. And they're like, oh, he's rolling some tracking or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, but they, uh, you, yes, but, but you, you so often you want to skip ahead and there's no way to skip ahead without giving away information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and most role-play gamers are not happy to jump around in time. Um, now, something I quite like about the, uh, the sessions I've played of Hillfolk is that um, I, I set a precedent of the flashback. And then uh, players, most of the players, they, they get it. And they like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. I don't see why people in other systems might start using this. So you get to a point in your game of RuneQuest and you realize, oh, actually, that's something we haven't established. Or 
you know, oh, how does he feel about that person? Okay, yeah. flashback scene. Yeah. yeah, Very few people will jump backwards in time. Mm-hmm. They're not comfortable with it because it's all about whether you die or not. And you know he can't die because yeah. it's a flashback. So what's the point? Well, or maybe he died and was replaced by a doppelganger. Oh, well, okay, yes, there is, there is that, yes. Um, but I was thinking it's, it's more just about establishing relationships between characters. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that guy that we keep meeting in town who, who really hates us, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, why is he so rude to us? <laughs> ah, yeah, that is a good question, isn't it? I think we should have a flashback sequence, don't you? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah thank you. Um... Oh, so you come back to the present. Oh, he was that guy. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, both uh, both flashbacks and and also you know occasionally playing a scene with other characters with NPCs. You know the the mm-hmm. the the thing where you say, oh, there's a big monster over there, but we don't want to go because we're just you know first level characters or whatever. But we're gonna get the 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 king soldier to go there, and then you play the king soldiers, and the king soldiers get completely slaughtered. But you play through that, and then mm-hmm. you go back to the characters who got the king soldiers to get slaughtered, and then you're like, oops, well, um, well maybe uh, we. Sorry, so you mean that the players stop playing their characters and then yeah. they play the king soldiers instead? Yeah, this is this is okay. effective, especially with horror games like Call of Cthulhu, where you know you play antiquarians and university professors, and you go like, you know, let's call the police. There's a big monster in the warehouse. Uh, we only have, you know, we have nothing. We have no weapons, and so they call the police, and then you make them play the police who get slaughtered, and that's a lot more effective because now. They have that on their conscience. They lose additional san because they got all those uh, fathers and husbands yeah, yeah. Uh, get uh, uh, get killed, and <laughs> yeah. um, and then it's like, well, okay, now are you gonna get off your ass and actually go and find the ritual to dispel the monster? Uh, so it's um, sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you of course don't overdo it. Only do it, you know, a couple times. But um, but it's also um, uh, uh, an option. I I think generally speaking, the medium is broadening horizons like that you know with flashbacks mm-hmm. and more narrative approaches and things like that so uh, and i think it's good to have like more tools in the toolbox yes uh, but they're very seldom uh, alluded to encouraged by rule sets uh, i did make another um, uh, video some years ago about how if you watch movies and you look at action sequences there are two main types of action sequence there are fights and there are chases. Yes. And you buy any rules role-play game and it'll have several chapters on fights yeah. and it might maybe have one sentence about chases somewhere on page yeah. 172. Yes. Um, and there's no reason why a chase sequence can't be every bit as action-packed and interesting. You're climbing up onto rooftops, you're overturning barrows, you're shouting at people in the street, hey, he's a thief, he's a thief! Yeah, and yeah no, whatever. I love a good chase. Uh, yeah, yeah, the new RuneQuest has maybe one, two pages on chases. Oh, does uh, it? Okay. But uh, uh, And the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu has a chapter on chases, you would be uh, happy to know. Oh, yeah. I wonder if that came out... Uh, did it come out after my video was made? <laughs> uh, probably. I, I saw your video. I think it was... I'll have to check because, yeah, 7th edition is what, like 2016? I'll have to check. Mm. But, yeah. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, hopefully that makes you happy. <laughs> it does. It does. And I realized after I made that video that, that they, my I've actually got rules because I have rules for sprinting, 
chasing, pursuing, which I mentioned, yeah. uh, but I've also got rules for racing. Uh, and it's only when I, I wrote a scenario with a race in it that I realized that none of, <laughs> none of the, uh, the, the, the three sets of rules I had already actually worked for races. Because <laughs> in a race, when you catch someone, mm-hmm. you then continue past them. <laughs> Yes. Don't you? That's what you do when you're racing. <laughs> if you want to win. All, yes. my, all my rules were about catching them. <laughs> uh, so, oh, but I've caught him and now... Now what? What do I do? Just run alongside him having a chat? No, the idea is to get to the place first. So, yeah. ah, I can need another set of rules. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we should um, we should wrap it up. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, maybe you will you know write some of those rules and post them somewhere on your website, unless you have done that already and I'm not aware. Um, n- not many of the rules that I've been talking. Oh, to do with RuneQuest. Um, to do with my tweaks to RQ2. Do you mean? Well, those for example, ones. yeah. But I mean, even um, the others. Yeah. I can't remember if they're on my website or not. Um, they are. They are quite scattered. A lot of them were written on my Atari ST. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. And I don't... Because uh, all everything was saved on three and a half inch disc. Um, and of course... You're, you're aging just... yourself there. <laughs> well, not really. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was... Well, it was the 90s. What can I say? Yeah. yeah. yeah, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, hopefully you can put them somewhere. I'm sure some people would be interested. Yeah, it'd be nice to do something a bit finished with some of this stuff i mean that'd be nice to uh, make get some reward for all that labor i put in with my trojan war stuff um it would be a i mean i could convert it to rune quest but that would be another major task um i don't know what the best to do maybe i can create its own system and just make it completely self-contained yeah. Uh, or then, or I remove anything to do with system and try to make it generic. I don't know, but whatever I do, it's still going to be an awful lot of work. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Well, uh, thank you for inviting me. It's always nice. Yeah. Well, uh, we will yeah. have links in the show notes for all the stuff you do, all the videos. Um, I especially love the videos about slings. That was very interesting uh, mm-hmm. because uh, I had um, I was running a, a, a RuneQuest campaign where everybody's kids, so mostly they are using slings and small knives, but slings uh-huh. are super deadly in RuneQuest, uh, and and so that was interesting. Thank you for that. And um, yeah, and that's it. So thank you again. And uh, everybody should check out your channel. Yeah. Yes, they should. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of The God Learners. Our website is godlearners.com, where you can find episodes, newsletters, and articles about Glorantha. Reach us via email at collective at godlearners.com or via Twitter or Facebook at The God Learners for any questions or feedback. We are the God Learners. Question everything to the void and beyond. We are soon reaching um, our time limit. Do you have some burning question, Jörg? Not anymore, no. (laughs) Okay. No. Um, I would... No, no, not anymore. I changed my mind.